This is an SM Media production. Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of The Sat Down right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike and I'm delighted to be joined here by, today by the former Kilmarnock, former Hibs, former Hartlepool and former County Beef Manager, as well as the best player to play, best Scottish player to play in the Chinese Super League, or nearly played in the Chinese Super League, missed out on all the big bucks, Colin Nash. Colin, thanks very much for coming on, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Scott. No problem at all. How have you been? How have you been? Yeah, good. Good. Obviously, a wee bit bored like everybody, I think, uh, during the lockdown sort of period. Um, it's good to start getting back out to a wee bit normal. And just, I'm hoping it's going to last now, but I'm not sure it looks likely. How how are you kind of getting on before COVID? Like, obviously, you've got the Hibs. Is it under-20s you're coaching now? Yeah, I was coaching the under-20s and under-18s, but obviously there's been a wee change around there, so it's something that we can't really talk too much about now. But, right. Uh, what I was doing beforehand and really enjoying it, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, what have you kind of been your takeaways for the current situation? Well, obviously, been different times, but in the kind of football world, what's been kind of the big thing you've noticed difference-wise? Yeah, I think it's just like everybody playing football games without any crowd. It's just it's not great, is it? Um, I'm not. I don't know if you get the right results. If it's uh, the same results you would get with crowds being there, but no, I think I think it'd be good just to get the crowds back in. And obviously, like with uh, the way things are going, it, it doesn't look likely very soon. Do you think the players notice a difference as well when they're kind of playing with no fans? Like, as do you notice it? Do you think? Yeah, I think you do notice. I, I think it's a, I think it's a massive thing to be honest with you because. Uh, I think everybody's heard the sort of phrase of a training ground football player, somebody who, like I think we've all played with players that were excellent on the training park, and when it came to a Saturday, they maybe weren't so good. I think uh, in this sort of circumstances, you probably see these players sort of shining through a wee bit more. Yeah. Well, we'll just get a wee start. Just as, can I tell us a bit about your early years growing up, like family life? How was life kind of starting out? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Musselburgh. Um, I've been here all my life, really, apart from when I've had to move away for football. Yeah. Um, I've moved back here now. Um, so, I Musselburgh has been the sort of place that I've always known and always sort of wanted to be at. Always intended sort of living here, buying a house and settling down here, and that's what I've done. Um, my partner's from Musselburgh as well, so so that was something that we both sort of shared. So, yeah. Right. Played for Musselburgh. I think I played for Musselburgh Windsor when I was a young boy, and then went to Hutchison Vale in Edinburgh. Right, um, okay. I wanted them filming as a as a signed player there. Brilliant. Uh, school as well. What were you kind of like at school? What was your kind of favourite subjects? Probably PE. I wasn't great. I like maths. I like I like numbers. But apart from that, I wasn't I wasn't great at school. Um, my old uh, headmaster was Terry Christie. Oh, so right, he was okay. a manager. Right. Um, and one day, one day, sort of told me politely. Go on away and try and get yourself a career in football. No point in you coming into school anyway. So uh, I went to Dunfermline and about six weeks later, I think uh, Terry, Terry signed me on loan, so I was, yeah. I was quite lucky. Brilliant. Uh, what were your kind of, you grew up a kind of Habs fan. What were your kind of, who were your early kind of heroes and you, what was your kind of memory supporting Habs? Um, I used to, my, my, the biggest memory I've got for supporting Habs as a kid when I went there was just going with my dad and my brothers and uh, my bit, the, the biggest memory I've actually got is my wee brother when he's hidden underneath his uh, hoodie top that he had on playing his Game Boy. So I remember looking at him and saying, well, he's not interested in football, my wee brother. So 
Um, but apart from that, I think the probably players I remember are the ones that went uh, in the Skull Cup, like Keith Wright, Mickey Weir, these type of guys. Um, they're all the ones that I sort of remember from when I was growing up. I mean, you kind of went to boys club, like you said there, like who were your kind of other heroes that out with football? Like, well, obviously that out with Hams, but you'd grown up, who were the kind of big heroes locally or kind of on the telly? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I don't really know about that. John. I had any like heroes like that? I mean, in terms of football, I liked. I liked like Zero Mario and these type of guys uh, when I was watching them in World Cups, things like that. I think Italian ninety is probably the first World Cup I could remember, and then probably after that, I probably they're the type of players that sort of stick in your mind probably yeah. for a young age. Um, I didn't really have anybody that was sort of my height that sort of played as a as a striker that I could really look up to and sort of that in their terms. Were you always a striker? Like, did you ever play in a different position? Were you always a striker? No, always a striker. I for a young age. I think my first ever game was with I can't remember if it was Musselburgh. It was a Musselburgh team, but it was either Athletic, Windsor, the Musselburgh Union. One of them. And when I was about seven years old, and I started off as a left back, and I think the team weren't very good. Right. And I put a cross my left foot, and it went right in the top corner. So the next the game week, I was up front, and then that was me. I've never changed since, so uh, I, that's pretty much how I ended up playing up front. Brilliant. So how did the kind of did Fairland kind of get getting scouted? Who do you remember who kind of scouted you? And like, was there any other clubs looking at you? Oh, when when I was at, when I was when I went to Dunfermline, I think it was about the age of fourteen, fifteen. Um, I was still like I was with Hibs. I was I think I maybe even trained with Hearts early on when I was younger. Um, I obviously had the. Uh, Training game things with like Leicester's, Chelsea's. I was offered to go down to Sunderland, things like that. But uh, the two t- I sort of stuck in my hips and I stuck in my Dunfermline. And when it got to sort of time where you could sort of sign or basically leave school and go somewhere, yeah. um, it was it was really like Dunfermline I wanted to go. They had really looked after me and probably two years previous because they really liked us as a player. Yeah. They always made that I would have a right chance of playing there. They, were, they offered me a four-year contract when I was like 15. I was just about to turn 16. Um, I think I could have went to Hibs. I think I got a late call for Hibs to actually go in full-time on the YTS scheme. Right. I'd already seen Fairman at the time. And uh, also, I think I could have went to Hearts round about that time as well. But I was always going to go to Dunfermline. I was I got on really well there. I was well-liked. Um, I like to see Hibs in that. They had, they had other boys that were probably... Maybe a wee bit more thought of than me at that right, point. Okay. I felt like Dunfermline was the right place for me to go, and I really enjoyed it. So, now it was the right thing to do, I think, for me at the time. Brilliant. And as well as that, like coming through the kind of youth team, do you remember some of the players you can that came through at the same time? Like, yeah, I, I still uh, obviously like uh, when you when you think back now, like there's some of the players play maybe junior football. Uh, I know like one of them actually the boy one of the remember the boy Chris McGrody. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he played. I think he played a week or two before me, so we were around about a similar age. Um, and he, he he unfortunately didn't sort of continue, but he was a right good player when he was when he was playing because he must have played a good hundred games for Dunfermline in the SPL yeah. at that. A young boy, he was he was a right good talent. Unfortunately, it just didn't seem to work out for him in the end. Um, I've seen like uh, I've seen Gary Mason the other day, who was a boy that I used to play with there. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I do I do hear or see maybe a couple of them going about and different things like that. So it's always good to see them. Yeah. 
Uh, can I go through your kind of youth days? Like you, make, you obviously have a pretty good youth career with Dunfermline, but you made your debut in 1999 for the first team. Do you remember who it was against? Uh, against Rangers, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, do you remember? Can I remember the scoring, the lineup for yeah, Rangers that day? It was live on TV. Actually, I think I was meant to make my debut two weeks beforehand at Dungeon United away. Right, but I had done, I was in the Probably wasn't the best behaved type of guy around about then, and there was a. I had done something, I can't remember what it was now, but I'd definitely done something that I shouldn't have done, and I think the Campbell's pretty much said to you, you'll not be playing for the first team doing something like that. So I ended up delaying that, and then uh, obviously that Rangers game, I always felt like I maybe had a wee chance going on. Obviously, you feel like the Rangers could maybe go 1 0 up or 2 0 up. Yeah. And uh, I think that day, was it what was it 2 0, I think, maybe? Finished 2 0, yeah. yeah. I think I got brought in for a penalty for the kid Gels kiss. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and Big Andy Smith missed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was which would have been nice. I actually had a header in the game as well that I probably should have scored with, but it just, I think it just grazed the post a wee bit. But uh, I think, uh, just remembering that game, I think I went on a left midfield there, so just Hi. going on with your, with your questions there that you were asking earlier. Uh, so I went in the left midfield, and then the next game week I played against Celtic at Park Eden, mm-hmm. uh, went on right midfield. So uh, that was my sort of introduction at uh, proper football. And seeing you're kind of coming through at that kind of young age, like how hard, hard is it to solidify a place in the team Like at that point? Is it, is it as that, hard as they say? That's the thing that I probably found hardest. I mean, every week I was a sub, I probably had a lot of substitute appearances for them for the ages of... Uh, 17 to probably 19 or something. Yeah. I was probably on the bench every week, coming on every now and then, depending on the score. Um, it was always 10, 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes. Um, so to actually make that step up to actually starting games, I always found that, I always thought at Dunfermline that was a really difficult thing to do. It was a really strong squad at the time. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Steve Crawford, Craig Brewster up front, two excellent players. Uh, yeah. So it was really it was great for me to train with, with the, the two, to be fair, in terms of learning. But to try and get in the team, it was a really difficult thing to do. And I, I think uh, I learned a lot for the two guys, but at the same time, I, I was going to find it really tough to get in the team at a young age. Yeah. It turns out it was a pretty difficult season, that first season, because when Fairman do get relegated, but Jimmy Calderwood and Jimmy Nicholl come in. Just talk about how yeah. important they were for your career, like what they were like as figures. I uh, they, they they were good. Like Jimmy Nicol, obviously later on was probably yeah. like a big to me. But uh, and Jimmy Caldwell, I, I really enjoyed Jimmy Caldwell's training, things like that, and the way he was. He was a right attacking manager. I mean, there was times yeah. he would end up with four strikes in the park at once. So yeah. that suited me, and that was probably around about that time that I was uh, a young boy trying to break through and getting on for your ten, fifteen minutes. So for a young boy being on the bench, it was excellent because as soon as you went one 0 down, boom, you thought you had a wee chance of going on. But uh, in general, I was never ever going to play for him. No, no, no. In terms of starting games, with, the, with probably with the money that Dunfermline were spending at that time, they had very, very good players. And uh, I think remember eventually they went on to finish fourth in the league. Or third yeah, league or just something. a few seasons after that, they do pretty well and kind of finish uh, in the top six. But the, yeah, kind of so whole, the whole environment in the SPL at that time was pretty weird because like a lot of teams were spending money they didn't have. Like, did you notice the kind of level of player that was coming in? And obviously, you're kind of a youth player. Do you? Do you think about, am I going to get a chance? Because can a level of players coming in who is different to what's uh, uh, No, we, we were signing players for Holland. I mean, yeah. you had the big Enos Dijk who's in, who was a... Yeah, that's right, yeah. 
five uh, striker they brought in Jack De Geer who was a, a, I think he had come from Utrecht and was a good player in Holland so it was always going to be difficult again but probably for a, for a young boy who wait, I trained with the first team all the time and I learned a lot Craig I, I learned more of Craig Brewster in probably one year than a than a lot of people probably can get coached over about two or three years because that was that was just watching him playing and seeing Ken for his size and what yeah. he was like now always not exactly the same as him but you do learn a lot with just the different things that, he, that he's doing uh, so no that was a good thing for me but I, I, I did realise that I probably wasn't going to play right okay you go on loan to yeah you go on loan to Alawa in 2000 like, how did that move come about as you say was that because of your old head teacher was that, was that my first loan or was that my it was your first loan was in 2000 yeah and my, my, my first loan that was pretty much because uh, obviously Terry Terry Christie knew me. Yeah. Uh, and he probably kept a wee eye. Prob- Looking back now, he's probably come and watched a couple of reserve games and made sure that I was probably what he thought I was. And then then I went there. And to be fair, I loved it there. I didn't think I got off to a great start. First two, three, four games, it wasn't great. But yeah. then once I scored, I really enjoyed it. And it, it was a great sort of experience for me just seeing, well, seeing your, your headmaster shouting and swearing like it's not, <laughs> it's not something that you're... Like you're used to, but that, it sort of opened my eyes to professional football. And, but I really enjoyed that spell, to yeah. be honest. And Bootsy kind of standard like in like, it was second division at the time, Bootsy kind of standard like at that level. So would that be League One now? That'd yeah, be, it would be, yeah. Well, um, that, 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 it was a good standard. We had a boy, I played up front with a boy, Martin Cameron, who got a move to Bristol Rovers. It was a big move at the time. Yeah. The teams after him, SPL sides and that as well. And uh, he got a move. He was he was maybe about two or three years older than me, and he he, he went on and did quite well for himself. Um, there was there was a couple of other guys. Andy Walker was there for a spell. Right. Okay. Um, but when I was uh, when I was at Alloa, there was there was older, experienced boys who were great, and the, there was there was obviously Martin Cameron, a young boy, and a couple of other younger ones that were that were decent. So that was it. Was a good standard, and Alloa were one of the better teams in that league as well. So it was it was it was a good team for me to go to and go uh, to enjoy and sort of learn stuff. Yeah, you gained promotion that season as well, and you end up going back on loan. Like, were you, did you always fancy that season after you got promoted to kind of try and stay there another season? Oh, I was, I was, no, well, I think me being me, I think right after that I'd got promoted. I wanted to play for them firm, and I thought I should be playing. Yeah. So I probably like probably silliness for me, but at the same time, uh, what happened was I think uh, at the beginning of that season I had the opportunity to go and I think the manager had said that he wasn't sure if he wanted me to go or not because I would be needed. And uh, I think I went for a month. It wasn't a long yeah, spell. Yeah, it wasn't a long spell, no. It was, so I, went month, I went for a month and scored a couple of goals, I think, yeah. and that was the championship. So it felt like a wee sort of tester for me to see myself at a wee bit of higher level for what I'd done the season before. So... I really enjoyed that as well that month, but then I think obviously I must have got called back. By, yeah, you recalled it When you when yeah. you when you can have that kind of loan spell, and you come back and you come back to Dunfermline, do you feel more kind of confident that you're going to get a run in the team? Uh, I don't think I probably felt like I was going to get a run in the team at any point, just based on the fact that the players that were there. Right, I mean, okay. Stevie Crawford, Stevie Crawford was a Scotland international, and Craig Brewster was Craig Brewster, so. I probably wasn't going to play. They were they two of were fit were going to play. But as I said before, like learning for them and the experience of going on, even at a young age like that, it was quite a good thing. And if you're going to be Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, Hibs, these type of teams, you're going on getting on the park for 15, 20 minutes. It's a good thing in front of like big crowds at the time, yeah. like really big. Crowds. So no, I think that was it was quite it was good for me at that point. 
So what was your kind of, what would you kind of, was it a great learning curve for you being at Arlo for those kind of two, two spells? Did it make yeah, you a better, did I, it make, make you a far better player? Um, I don't know if it made me a better player or it, it probably opened my eyes to see, to show me what I needed to do. Maybe, yeah. uh, I think like any young boy going on loan, I think, I think it's getting the experience of playing football that, that with results that they get written about in papers where, if you score, you maybe get a wee headline, which when you're that age, you, you, you kind of wait for the Sunday to open the yeah, paper or the definitely, yeah. thing about you. So I think it's, sort of, it's just part of your education growing up. Um, obviously, in terms of standards and that, I always felt like I, I, I could play at a higher level. Always, like, I was quite confident in my own ability. But like, you need to make the steps sometimes just to see and just to sort of gauge where you are. And then if you've got to go and improve it, you've got plenty of time to go and do that and work on things. Yeah, and, and you kind of got another loan spell as well. You go to Clyde. Do you remember kind of your experience there? I I, th- I think that was probably around about the time when I felt that I was getting to an age where I needed to play. Right. Um, okay. I think uh, I was playing in the reserves. I was top goal scorer in that reserve league. A good maybe. I I think it was maybe two seasons row, but definitely one. And like we were finishing bottom of that reserve league, and I was top goal scorer. Celtic were winning it and had the likes of Sean Maloney in that round about that time. I remember because you used to get on the teletext, remember that? Yeah, I remember that, the, yeah. You used to get the the, top, the list of the top goal scorers. I was, I was top of that and I, we were bottom of the league. And I thought to myself, I need to go and play. So I think at Clyde, we had, I had signed along with the boy Stephen McConnell up for Dungeon United. Okay. Um, so we went there and Clyde were one of the favourites to get promoted for the championship that year. Yeah. I'm not sure. Did we finish second or third, I think Second, it was. yeah, it was, it was second. I didn't think I'd done that well there, if I'm being honest. I, I, right. I didn't think I would drop. But I scored a couple of goals and done all right in different games. Uh, but I think at the end of that season, was probably the season I ended up... Was that the season I ended up going to come on? Yeah, I'm just going to touch on that. Like, did you feel as if your time was up at Infermon or was there any kind of... Was there any kind of... Did any, anybody uh, kind of want you to stay? Or? I think... Uh, I think probably my attitude to, at that point was, I'm what to play. Yeah. And it probably over to the manager. And I think the manager probably got a wee bit sick of having somebody that he thought he should be playing that wasn't playing. Um, and realistically, when I look back, I probably maybe wasn't good enough at that point to play in front of the likes of Craig, Craig Brewster and Stevie Crawford. Yeah. But I felt I was good enough to go and play football. But I think they two things clashed and that was pretty much the end of the road for me, really. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. So you move on to Kilmarnock. You sign a six-month deal. Like, was there any other kind of competition for you? Or was Kilmarnock the, the best choice? I remember I got a phone call for East Fife and the boy was brilliant on the phone. I can't remember. I think somebody, uh, the manager then was Moffat. Um, somebody Moffat. Okay. So I uh, spoke to him. And then for about a month or six weeks, not a lot happened. And I was like, so I remember I was just sort of sitting there saying, oh, Jesus, what's happened here? Um, there was talk about Livingston but, uh, when I was at them filming Jimmy Caldwell had mentioned that to me when I was leaving um, but then like obviously Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown knew me and uh, I ended up going to Kilmarnock originally for six months but I think it was pretty much always agreed it would be a wee bit longer than that right okay uh, but I signed for six months to start with um, and, and to be honest that's when, I, that's when I thought to myself well that was maybe the best thing that happened to me. And if for a young boy, I think sometimes it is an important thing. You maybe need to go to another team to not be the young boy anymore. Yeah. And that I felt like Kilmarnock, I'd went to Kilmarnock as a first team player. Now I've got a goal to work as hard as I need 
improve as much as I can and try and get in that first team. Whereas when I was at Dunfermline, I felt like it didn't really matter what I'd done. I was a young boy that was on the bench to come on. So. Yeah. And you, you, made, you touched on Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown, like they're a great, they were a great management team, but how important were they for your development when you kind of got there? Uh, you, came there you, they, you came there, you said that you wanted to kind of move on for being the kind of youth player. How important were they for your development? Uh, they were excellent. They, 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 they really were. Like, if it wasn't for going there, I don't know what would have happened. Obviously, in hindsight, you never, ever know. But for me, that, that was brilliant for me. Um, don't get me wrong, there was times like I would get taken out of the team for doing things and I'd be arguing and be moaning and we'd fight with each other, things like that. But ultimately, it made me a better player. And I think that's really what I needed because I probably, when I was a young boy of anything, I wasn't strong enough and tough enough. Right. I wasn't keen on taking... But I think Billy Brown got that out of me in the end, like by just being horrible pretty much at times. Yeah. Like there was times that really like that but that's the way that they are and they have definitely got the best out of me, I've no doubt about it. Yeah. And the SPL, how important was that to kinda of get that first goal in the big leagues? That would have been vitally important. I d I didn't I, I couldn't remember who that was against my first goal. I think what happened is that I scored the was either two or three in the pre-season friendly against Sunderland. They were a Premiership right, okay. side at the time. Yeah. So I always felt that was my first goal, really. I always, yeah. I always remember that. That would felt to me like that was my first goal. So um, I remember that quite clearly and sort of in my head with the with the finish for that game. So uh, that always felt my first goal. I wasn't sure which one was the like the Aberdeen was my first SPL goal, but. Uh, I'll maybe need to look back on that to see what it was like. I can't really remember, to be honest. A good goal. A good goal. And you, you, scored, you scored against Hibs the week after as well, so you kind of got, went on a kind of wee run. Just then, when you're kind of playing in that team, who are the kind of characters in the dressing room and who are you kind of competing for places with up top? Yeah, up top, it was, uh, there was Gary McSwigan and Craig Dargo, I think, when yeah. I first went, along with, yeah. big, along, along with Big Boydie. Yeah. So Big Boydie was probably, was probably just, he was playing at that point. Paul DiGiacomo, um, he was there as well. I mean, I think the Jack Paul DeJackman was a right proper player. I remember yeah. playing against him a couple of years beforehand. He was he was an excellent player, um, but he had a, he had, had a bad couple of bad injuries. He had bad knees, um, so when I got there, he wasn't he wasn't playing so often. Paul DeJackman, I think it was McSwigan and Boyd or Dargo and Boyd. So I basically just had to sort of bide my time a wee bit um, to try and get myself in the team, and then. I eventually, I eventually managed to force myself on the team, and then I, I think I pretty much played every week for a good for a good spell. Yeah, you did a good a good run. You played, I played most of that season. Like you formed a pretty good partnership with Chris Boyd. Just talk us through like how good a finisher Chris Boyd is, and how could you see then what it was going to be? Aye, but he, he was a great player, Boyd. He actually probably doesn't get as much credit for being a good player as what he was. Yeah. The way he positions his cell, like body-wise, in, bo- in the box, I mean, he was excellent. And the amount of times that he would save you if you came up, I mean, it would be nil-nil. I remember playing against Dundee one day, I was in the middle, just roll it, boy, just square it, it's a goal. The big boy, they smash, top corner. It's incredible, like, you, you, you come across a couple of people like that, like, I certainly have in my career, who just do things that you think, oh, I couldn't do that, eh? Yeah. But, like... That that was big boy day for you, but no, he was excellent and it it was a it was a great. I actually really enjoyed playing with boy day. We had a we had a good relationship on the park. I yeah. felt. Would you say he was kind of your best strike partner you ever had? Uh probably, probably based on the fact like uh, 
based on the fact it was a big sort of part of my career, I think he got a move off the back of it as well. Yeah. Um, he, would, he would have got it anyway, like, but at the same time, I, I did feel that like, I enjoyed playing with him. Like, uh, I knew what my job was. I remember getting taken off one day and I said to Billy Brown, I said, Billy, why is this like you? How are you taking me off? I said, boy, he's no kick the ball. He's not done anything. <laughs> How am I always the one that gets taken off? And he said, Nishi, big boy, they'll score <laughs> the next thing you can, big boy, he's put one in the back of the net and I've got three points, a win bonus. And you see, I say, well, that's fair enough. And then I think uh, the next game, we, Jim Jeffries, said, we need somebody that's going to hold the ball up, deal everything that big boy does. And he does. He'll score goals, we didn't need somebody to score goals. We need yeah. somebody to be his partner. And right for there, after that, that was me. I, I knew exactly what my job was and yeah. I just went and done it. And, you just clicked. Uh, it just clicked, uh. Yeah. As well as that, you weren't just uh, partners on the park, you were roommates off the park. Billy Brown tells a famous story about the time you were using a close encounter with a burglar. Do you just want to tell us that story, if you remember that? So I seen Billy a couple of weeks ago, and he, he was talking to me about something. And he said to me, have you heard that? And I said, I said Billy, you, that couldn't have been me, because <laughs> I can't vote that way. Like, kid, I'm, not, I'm not stupid. But Billy had this sort of way, sort of making out that you were like me and Big Boy Debate, he's as stupid as anything. Like, anything <laughs> but like, I can't remember that for the life of me, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, no, it's a great but story. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Big Boy they thought that, to be fair. So I was maybe just walking behind him if I'd just seen for the work at the time. Brilliant. Uh, as well as that, you, got, you scored quite a big goal. You scored away to Celtic at Celtic Park. Do you remember that goal? I do. I. I've scored at Celtic Park. It was a place that I did. I scored a few goals actually, but I do remember that. I can sort of remember it like the back of my head. And now I think I just sort of turned and sort of was it Arthur Boricin goals? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I I'm not sure if it went through his legs. It was like I hit it quite powerful along the ground, and it went. I think I remember sort of half celebrating. I think we were getting beat five 0 at the time. Aye, was, I was just about to say that it was a you were five 0 down was, at that point. When you're a young boy and you score at Parkhead, it was. Uh, it was sort of the end of the wee half celebrations, which you were quite happy for yourself, but obviously the team had got beat, so you weren't so happy. But is that always like an ambition? Is that always a big ambition to score it? Like, obviously, Celtic Park and I went to the two big grounds, but is that always an ambition to kind of score there? Uh, no, really. No. Um, I, I never really like, sort of had ambitions like that, but see, when you go and play in the stadium and you've got 50,000 folk. Yeah. There, I mean, the first time I went for a header at Parkhead, I think I. Folk will not be surprised with this, by the way. I went for a header and the ball landed about 20 yards behind me because <laughs> it was almost like you were disoriented. But uh, just because of the size of the place, and you sort of need to get used to the sizes, especially when there's a crowd in. You need to get used to the sizes and how, how things are a wee bit different. So yeah. I know I, was, I, I, I always remember that goal, but uh, it was, I quite enjoyed playing at Celtic Park, to be honest. The season after the 05-06 season, that's the season Chris Boyd leaves, like, and Stephen Naismith kind of breaks through. Like, did you notice a kind of big difference in not playing with Chris anymore? And something like, could you see Naismith was a talent? Oh, Naismith was excellent for minute one. It was no, 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 football way, but his work rate and his speed was was unbelievable. I think uh, I just think I, I don't know if I'm right here, but. He played in a reserve game against Part at Thistle and uh, he closed down defenders like it was that quick. Like yeah. closing, and I remember, I'm sure Jim Jeffrey said to him, if you didn't Dundee can do that in the first team, you'd be playing every. So I, I don't know, I think he played at the weekend or he came on and he's obviously, that's the minute that it was through hard work that he had first got noticed and then put in the team for, yeah. for being a 
boy, but then obviously after that, he just showed his class and showed what he was like. He, 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 I didn't ever think that he was really, really skillful or anything. He used to, he used to get wee ricochets off people's legs when he's taking folk on, but it happened all the time. It wasn't a mistake. So he was, and then I think as he's went on in his career, he's he's, he's became a right good football player and got yeah. a, like better and better with his experience. So yeah, no, he's went on and had a. I had a good career. Yeah. Uh, when you're kind of playing in that team as well, a lot of the things I noticed about that team was a lot of the players were there for a long time, like Gary Hay, James Fowler. Like, was there a good team spirit in the team? Yeah, there was. I all great guys, like great professional guys as well, which is probably, is probably what I needed when I left on Fairman. I probably needed to go into that kind of environment. Yeah. Gary Locke. We had Gary Locke there as well, like Grant Murray, Alan Cole, Alan Johnston. Then you've got like say David Lilly, Freddie Dindaloo, somebody yeah. like all the older boys who sort of would, would or like we would mess about a wee bit as young younger ones and but you, you got to see how to be a professional football player and how to act and, and how 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 they trained every day and things like that. So no, but that was a good thing for us as well. Yeah. Great. And the season after you have your kind of breakthrough season, you scored it was 06, 07, you scored kind of twelve goals. That was the season you kinda of became not just a kind of build-up player, but you you kind of became a goal scorer that season. Like, did you know? Did were you kind of told to kind of change your game, or did you just was was that a great chance no, to get kind of goals? No, I think I think it. I I don't think I was ever a goal scorer once I got to be like a proper player. Yeah. Um, I, I would never have. Hey, I actually think I scored quite a lot of goals for somebody that wasn't a goal scorer. Yeah, you did. Yeah. That's that's the way that I look at myself. Like I, I I'm no one like Chris Boyd who would who would feel that he should have got his game based on how many goals he scored. I actually wish they used to do the assists when I played because I think I would have had a quite, quite high amount of assists, but nobody spoke about assists in the days. But uh, no, I didn't think I was a goal scorer, but I, I thought I could contributed enough. Um, so but I always felt like my, my strike partner was always the top goal scorer in the team and that was something that I quite liked. I quite liked having my strike partner being the top goal scorer because I, I didn't feel like I needed to go in the park and score a goal. Yeah. I always... I always felt like I needed to have a good game and I was I used to want to come off the park thinking I'd played well rather than I'd scored. A game for that season you'll go remember fondly was the League Cup final against Hibs. Was there kind of memories for that game? Um we didn't turn up. We didn't play. and I, I know I know Hibs fans and a lot of people that remember the game will say, Oh, Hibs were excellent that day. I don't know if they were or not, but they weren't playing against anything for me. I didn't think we turned up at all. Um I mean, I think round about that time, every time we played Hibs, we always felt really confident, especially myself. I always seemed to score against Hibs. Yeah. And I, I think we were, we, we, we were a good side at that point. And we're probably really disappointed in the result and the performance that we had. Um, it's just one of the things that you, you kind of go back eh? and it's probably a missed opportunity for us, to be honest. Yeah. Is it kind of one of the big regrets that that kind of game kind of ended uh, Definitely like to play it again if you could, and you would you, you would think it would, it would it, the result would be different. But yeah. um, it's one of the things, and you, you just got to go home. But I didn't think we performed on the day. Um, probably, probably a wee bit inexperienced. Well, maybe a wee bit inexperienced to playing in the big massive games that can like. So uh, it was just one of the things. But obviously, a wee bit disappointed in the outcome. I. Yeah, as that was a good Hibs team as well. Like, do you remember that? Uh, kind of, did you think well, who did you think for that Hibs team would go on and be like? Be a good player. Well, obviously, being a Hibs supporter growing up, like again, every time I got a chance, I would they're the first result to look for, or yeah, you'd watch a game early if we weren't playing, or you'd try and get to the games if we weren't playing. So, um, I always knew quite a lot about the Hibs team. Stephen Fletcher was always like a right top player. 
Yeah. And uh, I realised that later on. Uh, we Lewis, we Lewis, we Louis Stevenson obviously played centre midfield. I think he got man of the match that day. Uh, did you? Probably a wee bit surprised we Lewis didn't play more than centre of the park, to be honest. Yeah, because he played a lot of left back, didn't he? Well, he's played the rest of his career at left back, yeah. right? So, based on that game, you would have thought he would have maybe, maybe continued in the centre of the park. And then Scott Brown was there as well, but I don't think Scott Brown was the, the, the player that you see nowadays. He, he had a lot of energy and got forward and could score goals as well. Yeah. It was a pretty good Hibs team, but in 07 you started it pretty strongly, but you, there was talk of a new contract coming up. Like, why do you remember the kind of contract negotiations? Uh, that lasted for a while, the contract negotiations. I remember that. Um, but that uh, so I think what happened, I think I was probably already talking about the contracts. And, like, to be honest, like, I, I, I was known a massive like, wage, a massive salary when I was at Kilmarnock. Yeah. Um, and I think at that time, as we said, we had the experienced boys, we had other players coming from maybe down England and that. They were, they were making a lot more money than me. And I, and I was probably offered a contract that wasn't up to, to that. So it kept on going. It wasn't like it was an argument or anything like that. It was, it was just a negotiation. And obviously, Kilmarnock just trying to probably get a player for, the, for, for what they felt and me trying to just sort of look after myself. And I think it went that long. It got to... I go to the time where, where I could pretty much do what I wanted, really. Yeah. Because it, that, I, I was doing well at that point. I had yeah, you had a good start goal. for the season. I think, you were, I think at that time you were probably like third or fourth top goal scorer, if I remember. Like you had a really good I start for the season. I think I finished top goal scorer at Kilmarnock that year. Yeah, you did. Yeah. So, like, at that point, I, I had quite a lot of offers. And to be honest with you, there, there were offers that, like, financially, they were just a wee bit better. But... Uh, I think in hindsight, if I if ever could have got a better offer for Kilmarnock, it would have been a great place to keep on playing because uh, it was the happiest time and they got the best out of me, no doubt about it. And I, I was really, really enjoying it. So sometimes like you wonder what it could have been if you'd stayed and sometimes you've just got to take a chance and go. So I think that's what happened. But there was no hard feelings between myself, the club, or uh, the manager and that. Like, kind of like It was just one of the things that happened. It just seemed it was the right thing to do at that time. And did your contract run out in January or did you? Because you left no, in the January. No, I think, yeah, I think what happened was obviously when it gets to Jan, when it gets to the January, uh, then you can sign for another team on a pre-contract. Yeah. So I had already, but previously I'd got a phone call like before the season started, before the, uh, I think it was John Collins, it was at Hibs at the time, my agent had phoned me and said, Hibs were going to put a bid in for you, but I'd tell them no, because we're not going to bid enough. Right. And I just said, oh, oh cheers. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Things like that. So, oh, I was, a bit, I was a wee bit disappointed. It was about 10 past midnight, I think, that night. And I was like, <laughs> so, I ended up coming, I ended up coming round again in, the, in, the, in that sort of transfer window. But John Collins, John Collins resigned about a month Yeah, that was a, that was a big kind of fiasco, wasn't it? So, I think for Kilmarnock's point of view, they thought, I would maybe going to be going to Hibs and then it got to that point and I think it would be Billy said, I know we got to Hibs now this year. So <laughs> it looked like I was gone. And then we, we played against, we played a couple of games and I knew Mixu was at the game. Yeah. And uh, Mixu had got the job and he came to watch me playing against Airdrie. I don't know, like, and uh, I remember uh, uh, Alan Combe was our goalie at the time, obviously. Yeah. And uh, I remember Combe saying, Big Mixu left when you went off, like. I remember him saying that. I was like, oh, did it? So, and then, obviously, then it sort of went for there. So, yeah. I knew, 
probably that night. I had had a decent enough game against Deirdre, but I went off with, a, with an injury, so uh, I knew it was probably maybe maybe going to happen at that point. Yeah, and when you sign for Habs, like, is there a when you sign for your kind of boyhood club? How's that feeling? It was a funny feeling. It was like just a feeling of wow, what's happening here? Because like, you just I don't know. I never had an ambition to play for Habs. I never right. had an ambition. Uh, I never had an ambition to like sort of. I can't. I can't really work out. All I wanted to be was a football player. Right. Even at that point, I didn't think that it has to be in the NSPL. Yeah. I just wanted my be a football player at that point when I was growing up, and it was just, it was just the way that I was. I probably didn't set my sights really, really high. But then, like when I got into the SPL, that's probably when I felt like, well, I'm good enough to play for Hibs. Do you know what I mean? I'm scoring goals against them now. I'm doing that. Yeah. And then when it comes, I wanted to go. To be honest with you, I shouldn't have signed for Hibs. Uh, I had better yeah, okay. offers down in England and things like that. But to be honest, I didn't even look. I got a vet. I think I, Mark McGee was at Motherwell at the time. Okay. It was crazy. Craig Levine at Dungeon United. I, I, had, I, I could have spoke to them. I can't remember what happened. Uh, but Motherwell put, like, gave me a, an offer that I shouldn't have signed for Hibs for. I should have went to Motherwell, really. But okay. uh, I went to Hibs, probably didn't even think about my contract too much. It wasn't really a thing like that. I remember my dad sort of sitting there. I could see him just smiling, on, with a big smile on his face. And I was thinking to myself, well, that was me. I was, I was going to Hibs. I signed a pre-contract and then... I went into Kilmarnock and I think it was wee Billy, as wee Billy is it? What the f and hell are you doing here? Don't <laughs> <laughs> play for Kilmarnock till the end of the season. And he said, "Aye." So I, I actually went in that day and just said, "Listen, I'm not going to train today. My ankle's feeling a wee bit sore, and I wasn't sure if it was if anything was going to happen." And then Hibs actually bought me uh, in that sort of transfer window just to save me waiting until the summer. Yeah. So. That's pretty much how that all went. Yeah, and you had to sign a six-month spell. You've done pretty well. You scored in your home debut against Gretna. But uh, Max Rupalina was a manager. What was he like as a manager? It was, it was very good for me. Really, really simple. It's quite... It, 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 it narrowed my game down and exactly what he wanted me to do. Um, and then he, he asked me to do things that I wasn't used to doing. Yeah. Um, so the first part was something that I was used to, like that I was really used to. It was exactly the way that I played, and he was just trying to make me better. At. And then he asked me to start like running and taking people home with the ball, and he told me if I start doing that, I'll, like um, you'll you'll be a better player, better. Actually, I think if he had stayed, that he would have made me a better player. You think? I so? think what you've seen, yeah. I well, I think he went to Kilmarnock and like I yeah. think Kilmarnock is Connor Salmon, and mm-hmm. he done it to Connor Salmon, and yeah. him a, a big move later on. And, it was. Uh, I, I I would have liked him to stay because I quite I quite enjoyed Big MX to be honest. Um, I didn't think he done he done a bad job, but it's a, it's a hard job, and he was quite a young guy at the time. But no, he was excellent with me. Yeah, I guess that he's getting to Europe that season. You have a pretty good strong start, strong kind of end to the season, and then the season after it's the defeat to Elfsborg in the Europa League. Do you remember that? I do. I missed an absolute sitter. Mm-hmm. Absolute sitter on. In Sweden, it was in Sweden. Yeah, it was away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was a, it was a lovely place. I always remember the wee tuna. I always thought to myself, that's a lovely place. And it was my first experience. You sort of going away to play a competitive game, although it was uh, whatever it was that cup. But um, it was a good experience. But I didn't think we played too well, and we probably and, uh, I missed a chance in that game. And it was probably pre-season. I always took a wee while to get going pre-season. I felt. 
why do you think that was? Why do you think you kind of because you, you never really started great like at the start? You always had a kind of difficult start of the season, and kind of towards October you kind of kicked on. Like, why do you think that was? Don't know. I'm not sure. I think it just took me. I I really couldn't sort of think. It just took me that long to get going. I think um, either that or I, I didn't have a good start to the season pre-season, and it's took me that long to build my confidence back up to, <laughs> to, to, to keep on going. I, don't, I really don't know, but it was. I, I was quite aware of that because I always used to say to myself when I, I saw well, you see people scoring a hat trick on the first week or the second week of the season. I just think was. If I scored a hat trick on my first week or second week of the season, I'd end up with about fucking thirty goals. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like because yeah. I always get a good few games to get going before I started scoring goals. So that's yeah. what I always felt. Eh? Yeah, you scored the winner against Celtic at Easter Road in the two 0 victory. That was a big game, a game for Hibs that season. And John Rankin scored as well. Was that the game? John Rankin was like a forty-five yard. I thought the five yard. I thought the five yard squiggler that didn't score. Remember that? That was that one. Was that yeah, a big confidence booster? I think it was. I think at that time. Uh, I think at that time I maybe needed it. I'm not sure, but I, I remember the goal. It, it, to be fair, it, a lot of people say it was a tapping, but I think it's quite a good goal because I think you've got to be in the right place at the right time and all the, the usual striker stuff, but uh, your reactions have got to be right. But no, that, that, that was a big moment. Obviously, it was another goal against Celtic. But at Easter Road, when you play the old firm, it's, all, it's, always, it's always good to, to do well against them, get the crowd right behind you and, and things like that. So that, I remember that day. It was quite a good day, aye. Yeah. And you mentioned you know, earlier on you put Fletcher on... Stephen Fletcher was a big you know, strike partner for you, but Derek Radden as well, who always feels a bit underrated as a player. How good were they for you, like as partners and just as players as well? Well, I didn't think he was really my strike partner. He probably played on the left, and it was Stokesy, or like, right, I'm not okay. sure. Like, Stokesy was there. Derek was mainly on the left, and always when when I first played against Derek when he was when he was a young boy, he was he was probably. The best he should he could have been the best or he was the best at that point. He was incredible. Yeah. Uh, when you get to when you get to play with somebody like that, he's one of the ones like I was speaking about Boyd earlier on. They can do things that you just you can't do. You could try. It's like when you watch a golfer hit a shot and yeah. you try and you you try and hit a hard aim. And Deke just had that sort of technique that was incredible. Um, he 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 was a he was a right good player. He, he, he wasn't he probably the best player for me. If right, I'm being okay. honest, in terms of being at Hibs, but round about that. Deke, like he, he, I'm quite good pals with Deke, so I probably don't like me saying it. But if you didn't pass the body right to his feet, he wasn't going to run after it for you. So <laughs> I was made one for the body, just just in the body down and putting it in the corner. And for people, but with Deke, you had to chest it down, and you almost had to look about three times just to make sure you were going to get it straight to his feet, or he, or he, or he wasn't going for it. But yeah, no, but what what an incredible! Actually, he should have had a lot better career than he probably did. Yeah. Do you think it was just? A, do you think it was a move to Celtic that kind of stopped it for him a wee bit? I, I really don't know. It'd be tough to ask him about that. But when we played against him, when I was at Kilmarnock and he was at Hibs, Jesus, when he got the ball, even in his own half, you thought he was going to score. It, was, it was incredible. Oh, aye. he 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 could pick the ball up anywhere, and you would like you would be sitting there saying, "Oh, what's he going to do?" And he seemed to just walk past people and then just go zoom right in the top corner. He was, he was a, he was a, he was an excellent player when I played against him. When I played well, he was, he was good, but he wasn't as good as what I remembered when he, yeah. when he, when he broke through. And did you play much with Stephen Fletcher? I did. I that was he. I, I I'm not sure if it was a season and a half or, or that half a season when I first signed. But uh, no, he was excellent to play with. He, 
he learned how to heat a bomb when he went down to England because he wasn't probably known for that at Hibs. Yeah. Um, he must uh, but in terms of like, have you sort of put together what he done when you when you watch him on the telly now he, he looks like a big striker who's winning headers and things like yeah. that. When he was at he wasn't that, he was the type of guy that'd be doing three overhead kicks in a game and just the way he was. He, he, he was, he had a good touch and things like that. He's probably, he probably had a better career than I thought he probably looked like he would have at that point, but you could see that he was a right good player. He was, he was a right good player. He'd he done a lot of work in the gym, Fletch, as well, so like that's probably helped him in his career down south. But. Yeah. When Max was part of line and leaves, what was your reaction? Like, was that a shock or did you see it coming? I think I just got off the plane in Florida. I think I just landed, and, I, and my mate and Ian Murray had text me saying, right, okay. "I'm sure that I'm sure that's what happened." I was like, "Away? What for?" Because I didn't. I, there was no, there wasn't really a lot of signs like Ken that it was going to happen. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think that's what, I think that's what happened, and uh, it, it was just one of the things. Um, I, I didn't think he done a terrible job or a bad job or anything like that. Um, I probably was a wee bit inexperienced with what, what maybe the expectations of the club or something like something like that. I'm not sure, but I, for me, I was a wee bit disappointed, obviously, because you've lost your manager, um, and I would have liked him to stay. But that's just, uh, I suppose, that's football, eh? Yeah, John Hughes comes in like obviously Hughes is a bit of a character, but what was he like as a manager? Ah, he was uh, a bit of a character again. <laughs> an excellent, an excellent coach and really enjoyable to work under. Um, he likes to pass the ball and, and these kind of things. I always remember playing against his Falkirk sides. So, and I think Falkirk used to come off the park feeling like they played well, but we, had, we were coming off the park quite happy as well because yeah. we were... Uh, but but that, that just seemed to be the way it is. But no, I quite enjoyed it. Um, the only problem I had, like the biggest problem I had probably was the fact that the formation that he liked to play was probably with one striker. Yeah. I mean, you've got... You've got Deacon, you've got Stokesy there as well. I mean, then it's quite tough to get a game. I think we still had Benjamin and all the type of players. And yeah, how good a player? How good a player was he? Because he always, I always heard that like it was always really, really good. He um, was a good player, a right good player. But I don't know if he was suited to Scottish football. Really, I mean, there was, right. there was, he would, you, he would play, and you would think, ah, brilliant. And you, there would be times that he would play, and you just didn't feel like he maybe wanted to play. Like, which for me, like. For me, like I always felt like he was, it, it, it wasn't a really competition for me at that point. I didn't feel like that. Sometimes yeah. he would play before, didn't get me wrong, but I never felt like it was competition that he was going to play every week and I was never going to play. I always felt like I would probably play more weeks than than what he would. Um, and then obviously when John Hughes came in, the formation changed a wee bit. I mean, there was times I was playing number ten. Yeah. I was probably playing, playing number ten quite a lot for for Hibs when I really think about it, because Stokes he was up top in that four two three one, and I was just sitting in behind him. Which I actually quite liked because I, I did feel like I was maybe a football player than a target man or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, and you know, John Hughes doesn't really work out. It wasn't really a great time as well. Colin Calderwood comes in like Colin Calderwood, a quite a good managerial career in England. Like, were you expecting a lot when he came in? Ah, probably. Um, I think with Colin Calderwood, he'd been he'd been an assistant manager, a lovely, lovely guy. Um, really like quietly spoken and. He probably, I, I'm not sure how it, it, it just, he didn't manage to sort of really, really push you. But I'm not sure if that was what he was used to doing. He was merely an assistant manager, as I say, who, could, who they're a wee bit different from, yeah. from manager. Um, 
he probably did, he, he probably didn't get the time that he probably needed as well. Like if if that was a thing, but I think my my uh, my hips career at that point was pretty much coming to an end anyway. Yeah. I, I pretty much. Um, I think uh, that's just that was one of the things. I think Colin Calderwood. Obviously, I was getting a wee bit stick to the supporters at that point. Yeah. And Colin Calderwood said to me, initially, he said, I'm not going to play at home." And I was like, and I said to Colin Calderwood, I said, "Why not?" He said, "Just because we didn't see what, what what I see in the training part on the pitch because of like what's happening like there." And I said, "Well, it doesn't bother me." I said, "I'm quite happy to play." And then he said he wasn't going to play me. And then I think was it round about that time that. I went to train with that Chinese team. Yeah, I was just going to come on to that. The one thing I want to touch on as well, that I've, uh, the, the infamous game, one of the most famous games in SPL history, the 6-all game against Muddle. You got a hat trick that game. Just that, the memories, of, what's the memories of that game? Because that was crazy. I always remember it as being disappointed, but like obviously in the back of your head, you're quite happy with scoring a hat trick. Yeah. But I didn't, that was, I didn't have a particularly good game that day. I'd have probably... And like as I said before, I didn't really look at goals, meaning that I've had a good game. It's more like my link-up play, take like touches with the ball, headers, things like that. that I think it has been having a good game. And in terms of that game, I done okay. First half, second half, I was okay as well, wasn't it? Didn't have a didn't have a like a, a very good game. So coming off the pitch, obviously, just really you're disappointed with the fact that I wasn't going to get into play for Hibs in Europe next season. But that was pretty much the biggest uh, disappointment for me. Yeah. Always thing I remember about that game was how bad the pitch was. Do you remember how bad? You remember how bad was that to play on? Because that looked horrible. That 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 happened a lot back then. Though, like we had to, we're not, we weren't playing on the bowling greens that you, yeah. that you get never. And to be honest with you, I sometimes think to myself, I'm maybe better if I played on the, the pitches <laughs> that I had back then rather than these bowling greens. I've not got any to blame of if I'm on these pitches. Uh, I, I, I think I didn't mind playing on the pitches to be honest it's, it's, a, it's a challenge for everybody yeah um, so no, I, I didn't mind it but I think that adds to a wee bit of the character of the game and, and things like that yeah that the, the kind of your last season at Hibs uh, Colin Calderwood brought in two strikers Akpo Soji and Ricardo Vazte did you feel they were kind of replacements for you or were you did you feel as if your kind of I time think- was up Listen, I, I wasn't playing very well at Hibs and I think they brought in about four strikers as a replacement for me and none of them were still good enough to, to be better than me at that, yeah. like, at that time. Um, and, and to be honest, see, see like, when I look back now, I think, how are you bringing in players like players like that to play ahead of me? Yeah. But I can understand the way I was performing at the time. But these people that were coming in were nowhere near as good a player as what I, sh- what I should have been showing. Yeah. And I knew that. So I that disappoints me a lot now when I think back. I think oh, that's that's un- unbelievable. Like when I think of some of the things that happened, and I was just really low in confidence at that point. Yeah, I was I was pretty much gone. It was really difficult for us. But when I look back, I think to myself, I can't. But I, I genuinely like I'm sitting there saying, you just sort of kick yourself a wee bit. But it happened. Um, obviously, Ricardo Vasti was a wee bit different. He was made wasn't he a straight. I know he played up front. Yeah, um, he done. He done he done all right at him, Ricardo Vasti. He was a nice nice guy, um, and then when he, he went into England, uh, he just seemed to kick on. He ended up getting a move to West Ham. Yeah, they done well uh, West Ham, yeah. He done, and, he, and he scored a lot of goals, obviously. So no fair play to him. I. Yeah, uh, I would, you touched on it earlier about uh, going to China. Can I, how did that come about? And even then, like as China, what it became with like money and things like that. Did you go for the big deal? 
Well, I think this was maybe a year or two before that, eh? It like, could have been, I, yeah, it could have been. I, I, I got a phone call uh, one day from my agent saying, uh, of team in China, what to buy you? And I was like, right. I had a long time for him, so I'd only been there about a year. And uh, and that was pretty much it. I was thinking, so Jesus, China. I just, so uh, it, it kept on going. It was actually an agent from down south had, uh, had phoned the club asking right. for, my, for my phone number. So it, it was all done properly. And then I remember, uh, so I led to one thing. It was, it was an absolute fortune. Um, Tax-free, thousands of pounds for a goal, thousands of pounds for a point thousands and thousands of pounds a week and I'm sitting there thinking to myself it's China so I actually was going I was going I thought, thought about it and the, the biggest reason I was going I was going to go for a year mm-hmm. I was going to go for a year and when I come back to Hibs I still had a year so it was going to be a loan but I was still right, getting okay. paid that so I, I, I was going to go away and then the reason I was going to go was because I kept I knew I had Hibs when I come back yeah. and that was so that's what I had thought and then I went over to to see my agent, seen the contract, and I was just wow! Like it was, it was pretty incredible. And uh, uh, I think I drove back home that night. It was a Sunday. I was maybe f- flying to London to go first class to Beijing or something the next again day. And I, and as I said to you at that point, I wasn't a, I wasn't myself. I wasn't playing as well as I wanted to for Habs. I was a wee bit. It just probably wasn't the right time in my life at that point to do yeah. it. And uh, and and that's it. And I, I just phoned my agent and just said, I'm not going. I just, I just said, I can't go. I want to stay at Hibs. And that was me. I was quite happy where I was in terms of living in that at the point. At that point. Do you regret turning it down or now? Or? Massively. Massively. <laughs> well, not really. I, I didn't. I didn't regret it in terms of. Any, I regret it because the money was incredible. Yeah. Like, like it was really, really incredible. And but on the other hand, I wouldn't have had my son now. I wouldn't have met my partner that I'm with now. Yeah. So these kind of things sort of make up for it. But you do yeah, think to yourself, definitely. Yeah, I could have been like Ken. All these kind of things. But at the same time, you just laugh about it. now, really, it's no. There's no a mass. It's not a big regret. But in terms of financially, you do sort of say to yourself, I probably should have done that. Really. Yeah. And do you understand why a lot of players take up the take up that kind of offer because it's obviously it's a big drop in kind of quality but the money is life-changing do you understand why well, a lot of players take it up yeah well at the time when i was going to go there wasn't a lot of people had been right so that there was a lot of if there, was, if there had been other scottish people there or english people or something like that had already tried it then i maybe would have but i think i would have been maybe one of the first if no like there wasn't it wasn't that well publicized at that point but uh, I can understand how people like for Scotland that play in the SPL or maybe the lower leagues of England. I, I didn't understand why these guys that are maybe making a hundred grand a week playing in the Premiership want to go there yeah, for. I know. I mean, they're getting enough money doing what they're like playing in the best league doing there. So I can understand it for some people's point of views and not for others, I suppose. Yeah. How do you look back on your time at Hibs? Um, probably. Probably a wee bit disappointing, to be okay. honest. Like, I, I, I know that I should be, I should have done a lot, lot better. Um, and whatever the reasons for that is, probably you can only blame yourself. But I definitely should, have, I definitely should have showed that I was a better player than I showed. Um, I think there was times that I, I probably done quite well. 
there was times I was absolutely horrendous, but at the same time, I was a lot better player than I, than I ever showed. And whether it was the pressure of playing for Hibs, whether it was being for around about this area, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just I didn't think Hibs at that point was the best place to be. Right. I didn't think the club, for instance, were the most professional or anything like that. But at the same time, that was doing to me, and I should have learnt all that going through. Yeah, you leave Hibs and you go to Hartlepool. How did you feel about moving to England? Quite excited at the time. My missus has just walked in, so I should probably say, if I hadn't met her, I would probably, when I went to Hartlepool, I probably would have just stayed in Scotland, but right. she had got pregnant at the time, so we thought, I thought, I always wanted to try England. Yeah. Uh, Hartlepool was pretty much Newcastle. Mm-hmm. I'm from Musselburgh, so it was only a couple of hours if yeah. I ever wanted to come. So, uh, my partner obviously didn't need to work at that point, so it just, everything sort of fell into place at the right yeah. time for the, but it probably give it a shot and yeah. see what it was like. And I, I, to be honest, I'm glad that I have because now I know what it's like to play in, in, the, in that league in England. Yeah. Um, but in terms of my career, I, I had two knee operations when I was doing there. I was just about to say shoot. that. Yeah, you had a pretty bad, you had a pretty bad kind of work with injuries. Uh, does that, do you feel that that, kind of, that was a pretty unlucky spell because of that? I think I think it was probably like obviously leaving Hibs. I probably needed to go somewhere and build my build my confidence up. Um, when I went down there, I, I had an average start. The team was doing well, and I was doing okay. First few games, I was done okay. Probably still settling in. Yeah. Uh, then then we had a baby down there. Yeah. Um, so I had the first week. I, like so maybe my first two or three months there was uh, getting used to being a dad for the first time. And then uh, I had one knee operation, came back, um, trained for about six weeks, seven weeks, played a couple of, couple of games, and then had to have my other knee done. So at that point, then that took me to the end of that season. And I think uh, I think the next again season, I pretty yeah. much went alone. So I, I didn't play, I had to play 12 times for Hartley. Yeah. One person I want to touch on was uh, your old manager, Neil Cooper, who... Can I, he didn't really, play, he didn't really fancy you. Like, why do you think that was? Well, first of all, he tried to sign me as a young boy when I was about sixteen on loan right. for Ross County. Oh, did he? Bedon Fairman before I went to Alloy, but or round about that time because I played against the like Ross County reserves or something. But he came to Hartlepool. I remember uh, he came to Hartlepool and he just said he wasn't going to change anything. Nothing was going to change. It was the beginning of the season. And to be honest, I wanted to come back up the road. Eh? Yeah. So I, I, I there. I, there was nothing to do with, with Neil Cooper, anything like that. It was just, it was just a sort of agreement. He probably needed to go on and and look after his team that he was going to manage, and I wanted to get back up the road in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. You nearly, you nearly end up coming back to Kilmarnock. Do you remember why that didn't happen? Um. I'm trying to remember like the exact. I remember Kenny Shield phoned me about ten past yeah. twelve one night. But I'm, good, I'm actually good pals with Dean. He's right, okay. Uh, and I, I knew Kenny a wee bit. I'd actually met him before he was even, anybody even knew him. Like, as a, as a manager, I didn't really know he was in football at the time either. Right. So uh, he, had, he had phoned saying that we're wanting to take you on loan. And I was like, magic. I said, that's great. I said, like, we'll get it done. And then a couple of days later, he phoned back saying the club have not got the money to actually, like, or they'll not give me the extra money until we start moving things about. And then it was getting towards the end of the sort of chance for me to be able to go on loan. And Dundee, Dundee came in at that point. Yeah, so, uh, right. Desperate to come up the road. 
Um, whether it was the right move or wrong move at the time, I don't know. Whether I was fit enough when I first went in. Obviously, we were having two knee operations just beforehand. Yeah. I'm not sure either. I, I was, that's where I, where I ended up. Yeah, Barry Smith signed you for Dundee, and it was, he he was he had a bit kind of bad spell. with twelve games without a win. Was it was it a bad environment at Dundee at the time with the kind of financial situation? Barry Smith, Barry Smith was sort of hung out to dry a wee bit there. He bought a team to play in the championship. Yeah, like, and then for what, what I can't remember what the reason was. They got promoted because somebody ended up getting like what I, I think can't remember. Right. I thought was it not Rangers? Was it oh, not Rangers? Yeah. So Dundee have ended up in the SPL as a championship team, basically. And then yeah. they've signed myself and I think Mark Kerr. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But they didn't sign legs when they signed me and Mark Kerr. <laughs> but the, but that, that's pretty much what they've done. Um, they, I, they, I didn't think they were paying massive wages at the time. They were only paying a, a part of my wages at that point. So the, like, it was a championship team, so it was really, really difficult for Barry yeah. Smith and, uh, so I can understand, like, he probably hasn't, he wasn't given much a chance. And I think ideally for him, another season in the championship with that Dundee team probably would have got promoted and maybe into the SPL the next season. But yeah. unfortunately, didn't work out great for him. Yeah, John Brown comes in, like, John Brown's obviously a powerful figure in the dressing room. What was he like as a manager? Yeah, it was just exactly what you say, but he wasn't playing, he definitely wasn't playing me, for sure. Um, right. That's probably... See, at that point, when John Brown came in, that is the best I, I, I trained very well in that last part of that season and didn't even get in the park, I don't think. Really? So I think it was decided at that point that I was staying at Dundee. Um, and I think uh, once it got to the end of the season, um, John Brown just said, we can't, he says, we can't afford you. And I said, I remember, like, John, <laughs> I remember going to his office and said, what, what's happening next year then? Um, he was actually, he was a great guy, really, yeah. really good guy, and I well with him. But I remember saying, what's happening next season? And John said, listen, we can't afford to, to pay your wages, Colin. And I said, well, what do you respect, John? You did kind of much more money. <laughs> so you, you didn't know that, eh? Like, I'm quite sure you could if I was playing for £100 a week. Like, but uh, the, it worked out that it just became, it, well, it seemed like they were quite happy for me. For, for not to have me there anyway, so uh, and that was it really. Yeah, you move on to Dumbarton with your old kind of teammate Ian Murray was a manager. What was what yeah. was the difference between him as a player and player as a ma- and Anne as a manager? Oof, I'm I'm not sure there. Like uh, no, obviously I'm good pals with and like what happened there is I was training with Living. I couldn't believe I couldn't get a team at that point. I think yeah. everybody in the SPL at that time. Just really had people must have had managers that didn't they, couldn't remember me or something. I remember thinking that I think how am I getting a team here? Because I see people that now at thirty five year old signing for teams. Yeah, and I was only thirty at that point. I wasn't finished by any means if I was to go and keep on training full time. Um, I went in and trained with Livingston at that time, and uh, I, w- I was quite happy. I was quite quite doing that, but there seemed to be a wee bit of politics here whether they were going to try to sign some, like, I think the manager's son at the time was there and they were maybe trying to sign the manager's son and, or they were saying we weren't signing them and I was there trying to maybe get signed. Yeah. And it ended the case where I got, I, got, I, got, I got to the stage and I thought, you know what, I've just done my coaching badges, I want to learn to be a coach. I said to, obviously I speak to Ian all the time and Ian says, listen, he says, you can come through and take the under-20s if you want or the under-19s or something at Dumbarton and play for us, like he says, but it'll not be great money. 
he says, it's just like, we've not got it, eh? And I said to him, I said, I'm going to have to take that step at some point. Eh? I said, I'm not really bothered about the money. I prefer to do it for learning now. Yeah. So that's what I went through, played with them Barton for a bit and learned how to be pretty much a coach. Yeah. Just as well on that, like, you finished, they finished fifth that season, I think it's 13 14. That was a great season for Dumbarton. Was it good just to be back to like, enjoying football and kind of coaching as well? Was, it, was that just a good environment? Uh, to be honest, see that whole season, I didn't think. I, I pretty much turned up. I pretty much went on a Saturday. I trained on a Thursday night for about an hour. Yeah. And played on a Saturday. And that whole season, and I, I, I still felt like I had a lot to give at that point. I mean, I, I think we went to we went to Easter Road and we were beating them 2-0 in a cup game that season. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like I could still be playing for him. So if I'm being honest yeah. with you, when I was playing, again, like, I wasn't training very often. I did, like... Again, and, I, and I still felt like I was good enough to play there but I was I, obviously I was at the man I, I felt like I, I felt good that season I had a good season um, and obviously the more you do that it was just counting and doing to pretty much me hanging up the boots basically yeah. but uh, I think I stayed for another half a season didn't yeah. I? I, I, yeah you left in the January of that season to go to Cowden Beast but did you enjoy your time there at Dumbarton? I, love, I loved it at Dumbarton and obviously like it was a. Uh, it was funnily enough. It was uh, Jack Ross was assistant to Ian, right. and then uh, and uh, Ian was the manager. So it, it was easy for me. Yeah, like 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 being older, I, I I I didn't expect too much of myself towards the end. I wasn't really. It wasn't a massive thing to me. The football I was trying to get into the other side of things, enjoy my coaching sort of side of things, and looking pretty much for life after playing. Um, so it was probably a good wee spell uh, for me doing that. To be honest. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Jimmy Nicol brings you into Cowdenbeath and obviously it's kind of a difficult time for Cowdenbeath because they're just, I think they did get relegated that season. Yeah. And one of the, um, yeah, one of the infamous games was a 10-0 defeat against Hart, uh, Hart, sorry. Just talk us through that kind well, of season. Uh, well, that, that obviously I was at Dumbarton for the first part of that season then Jimmy Nicol had phoned me in the summer asking me to go to uh, Cowdenbeath. Yeah. And I had said, well, Kenny, Ian was good days, and my pal, I'm not really, I'm enjoying the coaching sort of side of things, so I'm not got, I'm quite, like, he had offered me a lot, like, more money for what I was getting there, but, like, at that point, I'd already decided that the money didn't really matter. Yeah. And it was more more about learning to be a coach, so I went to, I went to Dumbarton at that point, and uh, for the first six months, and then Jim and had phoned me again and asked me, so I thought, aye, well, I know I was getting a wee bit. It was hard work the driving through. To be honest, to Glasgow it was Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday night in terms yeah. of coaching. Yeah. One day the Thursday training, so I just felt like it was getting a wee bit much. So uh, Jim and Nichols said that you come in and out, you can coach with me in the mornings and learn a wee bit because they train a few mornings a week in that as well. And I thought, yeah. well, excellent. I'm getting to learn off an experienced coach now. Who's so that's why I went there. So I went, I went there, and then at the, when I was playing in that. We, we struggled a wee bit. We were actually a wee bit unlucky to go down, I thought, in the end. But it was really tight. We played a game against, I think we played a game against Livingston that sort of turned it right round. And we lost a game at home and, and that was probably the turning point there. Yeah. Was it 10 now against Hearts the kind of biggest defeat you've ever been involved in? Was that just a real downer? Uh, definitely. Somebody was actually talking about, like, I can't remember, like, like, somebody spoke to me about that a couple of weeks ago. I remember, I remember being on that park and like, you know, when you're standing in the park, think, looking out at the bench, thinking, you're going to take me off yet. <laughs> take me off. 
and I went, we went back into the changing room after the game and Jimmy Nichols said, there was not a hope in hell I was taking anybody off that pitch. It was your, your fault. You were on the pitch. I wasn't putting anybody else on to actually take involvement in that. So, ah, fair play. But we, it was, that was like, uh, it was like one standard playing against a completely other different standard of football players. And, and, that, and that, that's what happens. They were a good side that side to be Yeah, fair. they were, yeah. It was a season kind of hearts, uh, hearts, heads and Rangers were all in the league. So, it was a, it was a pretty tough league. Uh, but that that was a good thing for me coming towards the end of my career. I managed to play in a when I was when I dropped in a league. I managed to play in a league that had Rangers, Hibs, Hearts, decent sides in it. So there was yeah. still big games to, to sort of get you up for it. If that makes sense. So. Yeah. Uh, one character I want to touch on was uh, Donald Finley, the chairman of Cowdenbeath. You get any Donald Finley stories? Uh, he kept phoning me on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and that, if you, once you become a manager of a football team, you won't have a wee drink on a Saturday night sometimes. So. <laughs> Saturday night I was coming here, right? so I can't, I'll have a bottle of wine, will I have a bottle of wine or will I not? The chairman will phone me in the morning, so I better watch what. So, no, but uh, now, to be fair, Donald Finley was excellent with me, he really was. He was he, he, in terms of moral support, he was brilliant. In financial support, it was, it was impossible. Eh? Yeah. Like, I feel at the time, and to be honest with you, I think I think uh, I done. A, I honestly felt like I done a right good job there, really good job. If I was to sort of go through what we spent on players and what the salaries were of their players, I think folks will say, "How did you manage to? How how do you manage to finish second bottom in that league?" Yeah, that's what. I, but nobody ever finds that information out, and that's uh-huh. a mistake that. I, that's that's the one thing that I made in terms of management. I was too eager to go and try and be a manager and. I thought to myself, well, I knew it would probably be a year, and I thought to myself at that point, but then I'll have a year's experience of being a manager. When I, when I, when I try to become a manager again, I'll have a year's experience. Yeah. Not thinking to myself, it might work the other way that, so, and that, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, you, it was a, you got the player manager's job at Cowdenbeath, so how did that come about originally? Like, was, it, was it hard to kind of juggle the two? Uh, it was impossible to do both because yeah. I didn't have an assistant manager. Right. Um, so I was pretty much there myself. So I couldn't play as well as like sort of take the team. So for the first week, but although like there was other people there, there weren't the proper like sort of assistant managers. There were coaches that, that helped that helped out, and they were really really good at helping out. But you couldn't leave them. They couldn't be on the bench when I was playing. I, I needed to sort of say to myself at that point, I'm probably not going to play much. Yeah, and that was something I was obviously wanting to do. I'd been building up to it for a couple of years. Um, and uh, I tried to build a team that meant that I didn't really have to play, to be honest with you. Um, it took me a wee while to get going. And then, like, I didn't, I, we didn't have a lot of time to try and sign players and all that. Everything happened really, really quickly. And uh, it probably took us about six games into the season to actually start playing. So it was difficult, really, really difficult at the start. Yeah. And was that kind of a bad environment when kind of things started to kind of go downhill? Like, did you feel as if it, like, did you feel the pressure getting to you? Like, I knew a rookie manager, did you feel the pressure, like, kind of early on? Or? Not, not one bit. Like, the, the, they didn't, the, the, like, Beef isn't a big club. It's not like, Ken, yeah. some really loyal fans and some lovely fans, but they're not a big club where you get slaughtered. And to be honest, I'm used to it now, like, you... I'm used to like if a, if your team doesn't win or things like. I mean, I, I actually took a. I remember taking a boy off one day because I felt like I was doing the right thing after half an hour because we were getting a bit of doing. We were winning one now. We we're getting a bit of doing, and I put a a, a, a sub on who ended up scoring to make it two now, and I was still getting slaughtered. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking myself, 
If I didn't make that sub, we were getting beat there. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I know that myself, but yeah. people see it differently. And uh, there are times that you make mistakes, but as a young coach, that's exactly what you need. You need to you need to learn, and you only learn if you make mistakes. So, yeah. um, in that respect, it was good for me. But obviously, for for a future in management, it maybe didn't do me do me too many favors. And do you kind of look back look back at that kind of time positively? Because it was your first job, do you feel as, as if you were you kind of did have an impossible job because of the budget? I do think it, I do think it was an impossible job. Um, I can't start. I still can't kind of work out in my head just now. Like if it was to happen again, like and I was to go back there and I was to get offered the job, I, I don't know if I should have took it or not. I, I still okay. don't know. I think people would say, "Well, you've got to take it." You might not get another chance to be a manager. And then I'll be sitting here the now saying, I probably should have took that job. And I don't know, like, you, you just don't know. Eh? Um, I think I should have probably tested them for a wee bit more money um, right. at the beginning of the or Maybe, maybe when they, I've got told, right, don't get me wrong, I've got told what the budget would be. And, and to me, it, was, it didn't matter. I'm, I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to be the manager and I'll try and get the best for them. But then when you when you rally in the sort of expectations that they're going to have with the with, with the budget that they're giving you, it just doesn't sort of go together. I mean, yeah. they weren't realistic if you ask me. But that's looking back now, and, and that's just the way it goes. That's just an experience, and that that'll probably happen to a lot of younger boys that are taking their step for, for being a player into management, really. Yeah. So after kind of counting these, what did you kind of do with yourself before Hibs offered you? Um, it was wrong, to be honest. Was it not? Um, well, and it wasn't the offered me. What happened? Uh, I used to actually. I played with Eddie May when when we were talking about way back to being seventeen again at Dunfermline. Eddie May was there at that point as a player. All right. I didn't. I wasn't great pals with him or anything like that. I just knew him to say all right. So what I had done was I was in the middle of doing my A license when I lost my job at Cowden Beef. So I hadn't completed my coaching badges at that point. So I, I wanted to keep on coaching. Like, just like sort of like what I'd been doing for the last three, four years, keep on coaching and keep learning. Yeah. So I asked, uh, I asked if there was anything that I could do in terms of the Hibs Academy. Um, and the answer was, that at the moment, no. Like, all right, fair enough. So I'll just keep on having a wee look. Then I got a phone call a couple of weeks later saying, you can come in and take the under-14s. Right. Uh, Eddie, Eddie had phoned and said you could come in and take the under 14s. It's maybe not what you're what you're used to because you've been taking men before. You've been taking an under 20 side before, and he says, but you can come in and see what happens. So I went in there. To be honest, really liked it. Worked hard. Gradually, that increased to coming in with the development squad. Yeah. Then it went through 15s, 16s, and then under 18s along with the development squad. So just sort of gradually, gradually learned and built myself up there, really. So that, that was probably the best thing I've ever done, to be honest with you. And that's what I should have done rather than take the cow and beef job at the time. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously like you're working there with kind of young boys, but do you ever get the odds to kind of go back into management? Um, I, I probably don't think about it that often. Because like I quite enjoy the coaching side of it, but I enjoy the management side that you need to do in the academy 18s development side as well. Yeah. But I think if I realistically thought like I would have a chance of getting a job, I think I would maybe seriously think about it or I would seriously go for it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's difficult to get managers' jobs, and then you've got new a new batch of coaches coming through and different things all the time. And um, if it come up, I, I think I would maybe get another shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't stop my. Like, it would only be if I felt like it was the really right thing to do. 
Um, it's not a ma- I wouldn't say it was a massive ambition in minds now. I think I've tried it. I enjoy the coaching side of things now um, and making people better, ma- making players better if I ever managed to. So I enjoy that. But I would never say that I don't want to or, or I don't think I'm capable anyway. Yeah. Obviously, been part of kind of youth development now. What's the kind of big differences you notice from when you were playing to now you're coaching? Like, what do you find the big differences are? Well, the, the things that they get nowadays is incredible. Like, they're, like they're, basically, they're basically football players for, for the 10-year-old, 7-year-old, 8-year-old. Um, they get all the sports science. If I had got sports science when I was young, I would have been a lot better player because I wasn't the one for going to the gym. I wasn't strong when I was... When I, like, I could have been a lot stronger. Um, and nowadays, they, they're, they're doing all that for a young, young age. Um, and they, they do. They get well looked after. Um, and all these things. I, I know my, my, my son plays, so I look at what he's getting at, at, at just now, and he's getting a lot more than what I used to just go up and play with my pals, really. He's away yeah. getting coached. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest. I genuinely don't. When it gets to that age, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Sometimes, you, you know what it's like, you, the, probably the best player Scotland have produced were playing in the street with a can, maybe, or something. Yeah. You, you didn't get that nowadays, eh? So... I don't know, but uh, they do. They've got everything. Anything that they, they need, they've, they've got it in terms of if they want to be a football player, then they've got other tools to, to, to help them along the way. Yeah. And as well as that, like, what's, like Jack Ross is now at Hibs. How do, you, how do you think the club are now? Like, from, do you think there's a good environment and a good structure? Yeah, um, obviously, with the situation I'm in, I've not been in this season yet. Um, right. and with, yeah. uh, so... Um, but in terms of uh, in terms of uh, what it was like like towards the end of last season, and I know Jack quite well. I, I think I think they're in good hands. Yeah. Um, the owner come in and spent a few quid, which is always handy. I mean, especially this season, so they look like they're trying to strengthen. And to be honest, they probably should finish third uh, or fourth at the very worst uh, this season. It looks it looks likely that they're in good position for that at the moment. Brilliant. Are you already closing some quite fire questions? Yeah, of course. Brilliant. Uh, just the first question, who would you say out of your whole career was the best player you ever played with? Best player I ever played with? I, I'm not sure. The best player I ever played with? I'll, I'll say big boy there, because I, I remember leaving him out uh, uh, an 11 that I picked about three years ago. I'm pretty sure he's not happy about it. But I'll say big boy, there, but there, there was a few. I mean, Alan Johnson, I played with the end of, towards the end of his career, he was an excellent player. Yeah. Um, and you, you play with you play with Guillaume Bouzeline that Habs, he was excellent as well, but obviously his knees weren't they, weren't they yeah. great at the time. There were different players at different stages of their career. Derek Radden, if I played with him, probably when he first broke through, it would be him. And, if you played with Fletcher five years later, maybe we'd be here. So there is a few, but when I played with Boyd, it was incredible. So there you go, big Boyd. Uh, best player you ever played against? Against? I always found David Weir really difficult to play against. Really? I wasn't the, I wasn't the quickest player. And he, he probably wasn't the quickest player when yeah. I was playing against him. Probably about 46 or something like that. <laughs> he just read the game, eh? Like, yeah. He just read the game, and, and so that was always difficult for somebody who's the same height as me, same speed as me, Ken, like, and he was so good at reading the game, so he didn't really have any tools to beat him, eh? yeah. so I always found it quite hard, whereas, whereas other players, even if they were, they were big guys, I felt like I would get the better of them in some way, I always yeah. felt that, but uh, in, term, in, in terms, obviously, you've got the likes of Henrik Larson, who 
who played and, and he he was excellent. But I always always actually really feel that when I was playing in the park, Barry Ferguson was excellent. Yeah, like he was he was when I thought he 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 used to control games. Eh, when you're standing on the park, he used to be on the ball at the time. So he he, he was a he, he was a good player as well. So there are a few. It's hard to sort of mention one, but I, I probably should mention uh, I played it for Hibs against Barcelona in a friendly. So did you? Messi Messi was playing that day. So Has there it? you go. There that would be another one. So I think we'll go Messi with that. <laughs> He'd maybe win that. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> uh, favorite away ground. Favorite away ground. I would probably say Easter Road when I was at Kilmarnock. Really? Because I, I used to score like and play well there. But uh, I think in general, I've done quite well against Motherwell quite a lot uh, uh, for Park. So I, I, I quite like playing at Motherwell. There was something about it. There was goals on that. There was always goals. See, as soon as you walked out in that pitch, you thought, can, you could see that you would score goals here. Eh? And, and, and that's probably the one thing that I always remember. Motherwell's Park, you always felt like you'd maybe score goals there. Brilliant. What's an interesting fact about yourself that very few people would know? I don't know. I don't know if I'm that interested, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What's anybody else say? They'll see if I do it as well. <laughs> uh, one of the guests have been in Soccer AM. If that's... Have you known it? One of the guests have been in Soccer AM, scoring a, a world age. I've been on Soccer AM, scoring goals, and I've been on crossbar challenge and things like that. But I've never actually been on that couch when they do that. Um, an interesting thing, I'm trying to think. Doesn't need to be football, it can be anything. You're just making me look bad now because now, now, now I actually like I'm not that interested. I can't think, to be honest with you. I'm not sure. We'll come back I'm to sure. that. We'll come back to that. Favourite film? My favourite film? I used to always say Scarface. Um, probably, like, when I got asked that question. And I, and I do like that, but I probably watch a lot more uh, box sets in that now. And I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen Entourage. You seen Entourage? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's very good. I like Entourage and I like The Wire. They're my two favourite sort of sort of shows. So, brilliant. No, I thought show. Brilliant. Uh, favourite artist or band? I just listen to music. Yeah. I, I, see, this is when like, I'm starting to be bad, but I genuinely just listen to music. I'll put on like. See if I have a like a song, I'll play it, or it'll be the top ten yeah. now. Or, or that. in terms of, I, I quite like you too, but you too. Um, I listen to him sometimes, but no, really, I wouldn't say I had a, a favourite of anything really. Yeah. And finally, we'll close up with the best manager you played under. Uh, Jim Jeffries, definitely. Was it? I, w- I would have liked to have played under Neil Lennon. I, would, really? I have to say, I would have liked to have played under him. Oh, he would have got the best of you. That's yeah. the one thing that the Jim Jeffries gets the, the they get the best of you, and sometimes it's not always about coaching. Sometimes the the players the players are there, and you just need to you, you need to tell them like you need to you need to get them going. You need to to get them up for games. You need to, in any way, and that that's what Jim Jeffries done for me. That that's what Neil Lennon done when when I worked up at Hibs. Like with him, you could see that. So 
they, they were the type of managers that seemed to suit me. Brilliant. Colin, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. I can't thank you enough for taking part. It's been really good. Really enjoyed that. Thanks Cheers, very mate. much. Cheers.